Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. We're going to be talking about prayer tonight, I believe. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, I keep reading this scripture. I mean, I keep reading this statement because I think it's one of the most important statements that uh, you could say about prayer. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. That's where I'm going to go. Matthew chapter 21. So we're going to be talking about prayer tonight. And uh, in the we want to understand the importance of intercession. And uh, definitely want to understand the importance of intercession and, and the role it should play in our lives. And I think we got about five of these books left. If you want one, get one. You have to see Ms. Carlita. I don't see her here tonight. It's called The uh, Self-Study uh, Bible Course by Derek Prince. And I think every new Christian needs this book right here because it has 13 lessons in it. Um, it's 13 lessons. Well, it's really more than that. It's 20. Uh, but... Uh, it has, um, it has the subjects called the importance of the Word of God in your life. People need to understand the Bible is God talking to you. That's how important it is to read your Bible. That's how important it is to be a part of our daily uh, reading program. You know, and you're never too busy to have a daily reading program because of all of the technology. Um, you know, I like to listen to it on YouTube. Or I can get it on YouTube in my phone, I can plug it into my car, and I can just listen to, I can listen, and then I don't just read the verses, I read the whole chapter. I listen to the whole chapter, and even when I do that, there's certain verses will jump out to me, and then I'll make a note of them. That's right. Amen. So, so I, I, can, I, can, I can do it in my car, listening, or if I'm doing something, I can listen to it, I can listen to the Word whether it's in my car or if I'm sitting in front of my computer. And then I like to use Alexander Scurby's version of the Bible because you get to see the text while he's reading it to you. Boy, that's like kindergarten when the teacher used to read to you. Remember? You, you know, you sit around the reading, on the reading rug and let the teacher read to you. You learn everything you need to know in kindergarten, praise God. But I need a daily dose of the Word of God in my life. Your Bible is not just a book. It is God talking to you. I believe it's Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says the word of God is alive. And it's full of power. Amen. The word of God is alive and full of power. And then in Isaiah 34 verse 16, every word that God spoke, the spirit of God is ready to manifest it. If a believer agrees with him. And I keep quoting Hillary B. Yeoman, God will... <laughs> God will bring his word to pass when we use our faith. She said, in the, plan of, in the plan to execute redemption and salvation for the believer, God has bound himself. He cannot move without our faith. Faith means, God, I'm in agreement with your plan. I want to see what heaven wants to manifest in the earth. I'm in agreement with what you're doing. When I'm not filled with the word and I'm not believing the word, I'm in disagreement to the word. And sometimes people need the word in their life manifested more than anything else right now 
but they can't get in there wondering why because they're not living the lifestyle of faith. And then you got to know how to believe when the chips are down on you. That's right. You need to know how to believe when you get a bad financial report. You need to know how to believe when you get a bad doctor's report. You got to know how to have hope against hope. Yeah. Amen. The Bible said Abraham didn't even look at his wife's body. You can't. You got to have the kind of faith that don't look at what's happening. But you got to have the kind of faith that looks at what he said. And it's a way to live that way. And a lot of people don't know how to. You stay around here long enough, you're going to learn it. Amen. But praise God, you got to know how to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Fight is a, faith is a fight. If you like fighting, then welcome to church on the rock. But I ain't talking about with, with flesh and blood. I'm talking about spiritual God. We're going to turn you, we're going to get you to stop fighting people and start fighting in the spirit. Come on, say. I know some of y'all thought I'm really going to like it here. Until I said, no, but I clarified that. Now you got to get delivered, praise God. You need to know what salvation is. Salvation is, is in um, the, the first and uh, the second and first, first studies in here teach you appreciation of the word of God. Second is salvation. Then it's water baptism. People need to know what, what water baptism is. And then it talks about the ministry of the Holy Ghost and baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it talks about prayer. Then it gets in the healing of our bodies. You need to understand it's God's will to heal everybody all the time. It's God's will for everybody to get saved. And does everybody get saved? Well, then, no, they don't. Let me answer the question for you. Some people tell God no. All right. Amen. The rest of them, we're supposed to be taking the gospel to them. Then it's the healing of our bodies, and then it's soul winning. God has a prosperity plan. And then it goes on to talk about uh, the, the life of Jesus Christ. Then it talks about him coming back. The church needs to understand he's coming back. Yeah. Amen. He's coming back first for his church. Amen. And then he's coming back second to settle this whole thing once and for all. Yeah, right. Amen. Amen. So you need to other, under, understand the Lord you serve and is coming back. You serve a real God yeah. that's coming yeah. back. You, you, you may have not been with him in the earth, but you're going to get to see him. Amen. You will get to see him. He's I wish I wish I lived when Jesus was there. You ain't got to worry about that. You're going to get to see him now. <laughs> and it ain't the same Jesus. But anyway, over here in, um, in the prayer section, I love this statement. This is what Derek Prince said about prayer. He's gone to heaven now, I believe. Prayer is a way God provides for his children to come into his presence. Prayer is simply communication. Now, in, uh, I forgot his name, Toyer's book, Why Revival Tarries, he said a sinning man has stopped praying. A person sinning has stopped praying. And a praying person will stop sinning. So it lets you know that your associations determine how you live. Whatever you give yourself to, that's what you become like. And when you prayer is being in God's presence, and it makes you more like him. So in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, it says, be imitators of God. As his children, be like him. Amen. Jesus told the, told the Pharisees, he called them the children of, the, of Satan with, a, with, with religious robes on. Demons come to church too. 
Amen. I'm just telling you the truth. Demons come to church too. Yeah. They're trying to affect what we're doing here. Just don't, you know, Jesus had to tell Peter, Satan, get behind me. Now, he's right on the staff. Your objective is not be used while you heal. Don't be used while you hear. You got to know what spirit is influencing all your actions all the time because all behavior is influenced by spirit realm. All of it. All of it is. And so the person, just because I'm saying, Dr. Jacobs said, can a Christian have a demon? Yes, if they want one. Yes, they can have one. All they do is just, want, just decide I want a fellowship with that. Sure, you can have it. And you look at Ananias and Sapphira's come to church and lied right there in the church. He said, now you talk, but you did it to the Holy Ghost today. You thought you was dealing with men. See, really the Holy Ghost is supposed to be the orchestrator of the local church, not men. I was reading, if you was in your reading today, if you was in your reading today, uh, uh, Paul told the Galatians, this gospel didn't have nothing to do with men. It came from heaven. It has nothing to do with human flesh and humanity and intellectual thinking, universities, seminaries, it came directly from heaven. And he said, you were doing good. Who bewitched you? Who, who, who started messing with your head? But you would leave the gospel and get into fables and get into religion. You got to know the difference between the two. And that's why you need to stay in the word of God and do exactly what it says. Amen. And you need to have the word so on tap that when people talking to you, you know what spirit is talking to you. If they're criticizing the church, who do you think that is? God? If they're criticizing the leadership, who do you think that is? Do you think that's God? They've never pastored the church before. They don't have a clue about this job. Now, how are you going to voice something about it when you've never done it? No, it's demonic. Yes. The Bible said you make no accusations about leadership. Amen. None. The pastor this, the pastor that, or that. It's demonic. Uh -huh. And that person is trying to get you in the same position they're already in, uh -huh. where the mantle don't work for them. Right. The pastor or mantle won't work for them. When it's time for fruitfulness, multiplication, and increase, it won't work for them. And I didn't give myself this mantle. God did. But I'm not going to act like I don't have one. Amen. That, that, would be un, that would be unbelief. Uh -huh. To come in here and act just like you just, we're all just mere men. No, we're born again. That's right. A miracle happened to us. God took the old nature out of us and put a new nature on the inside of us. And the spirit nature, born again, will never sin. So what's, what would make a person talk like that? Their soul. Soulish Christian, living out of their soul, living out of their emotions, telling you what they think, how they feel. This is how I see it. No, we don't need to see that. We need to see what heaven planned. We do not need to see what men are talking about. That's how you get, and you start living like that, and then somebody gives you a bad report, doctor gives you a bad, and there's nothing wrong with the doctor giving you a bad report if he sees something bad. You went in there and got the report anyway. That's your report. But you got a better one. You can have intervention. We come here to learn about divine intervention. We come to learn about divine intervention of the unseen world. Miracles are said in the church. I'm trying to teach on prayer. Okay. But I am teaching. 
Prayer is spiritual. Prayer is a spiritual exercise. Oh, if you want to, I won't call it exercise. It's a spiritual activity. Because prayer is communication with God. And I want to call communication with God an exercise. It's fellowshipping with him. It's communing with him. It's, it's understanding his heart. I'm around him to understand his heart and what he wants. Prayer is to establish the will of God in the earth. Now, I'll say this. It says here, prayer is the way God's children come to receive what they need from him. You go talk to him. For, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, we have a right to come boldly to the throne of grace. And I want to talk to you about that throne tonight. You have a right. Prayer is spiritual. You go somewhere when you pray. You go into the realm of the spirit when you pray. Why are you talking about this? Because the church is supposed to be spiritual. And the world is trying to make it carnal. Right. I pull up in here tonight, driving all through this, this retail area. People sitting back in the bars again and doing everything. They ain't thinking about no corona. And the church is running scared, putting notes out, telling people they can't come in without shots and everything. And the bars and things just opening up, letting people come into restaurants and everything like that. And the church is running. Right. You need to have a problem with it? Sure I do. Yeah. Fed up with all kind of unbelief and things like that. Why not stand on the word of God? Amen. Why not stand on the word of God and believe what God said? What did he say? Did he say he's going to keep you? Yeah. Now, if I'm, if I'm learning that, then I, to get my faith on track, then I need to take every precaution I can take yeah. while I'm learning that and yeah. walking through that. You understand what I'm saying? Because yeah. everybody ain't at the same level of faith because everybody ain't been doing the same thing. Right. Some people have a daily reading program. Some don't. Some people have a daily prayer life. Some don't. They just don't. Moving right along. It says here, through prayer, Christians receive three things from God. Guidance. One of the things you get through intercession is guidance. Turn over here, and this is a prayer that Dr. Jacobs had me to pray. He called me in his office one day. He said, Keith, are you associate pastor or are you a senior pastor? You got to know the difference between the two. He said, are you associate pastor or senior pastor? I said, I know I'm going to be a senior pastor someday. And he gave me these scriptures to pray to fulfill that destiny in my life and over here in psalms 25 verse 4 it says lord it says show me your ways not what i want to do show me your ways show me the plan that you have for my life show me your ways the bible said there's a way that seems right unto man and in the end thereof is destruction he'll log all the way through i'm right about it well it's going to end up in destruction he says, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. I want to know your ways, and I want to know your paths. Isaiah 55, he said, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, he gave me the Bible and gave me the Holy Ghost so I can learn his thoughts and his ways. And fellowshipping with him will give me his plan. So I started praying that prayer. I'd go downstairs and, and in the morning, I would take some time out, take a 15-minute break. And in, in, in the job I worked, there was a cafeteria, and I'd bring this scripture with me. And I'd sit at the table by myself, and I'd have breakfast, and I'd say, Lord, show me your ways. 
I'd pray this prayer in the morning, every morning sitting at breakfast. And then I say, thank you for showing me your ways and teaching me your paths. And then it says this. It says, teach me thy paths. And then it says, lead me in thy truth. Notice it's always his. Not ours, it's his. And teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. And on thee do I wait all day. I'm going to wait till I find instruction of what I'm supposed to do. We go to him for guidance, which means every person should say, where I am is where God wants me. The city I live in is because he wants me in this city. The person I'm married to is his will. I did not marry out of the will. I did not marry unequally yoked. I did not marry somebody that didn't have a Bible. I didn't marry somebody that criticized the church either. I didn't marry somebody that talks about the leadership. I don't have that in my house. I don't have to contend with that. I didn't marry somebody that's going to fight being generous and tithing and honoring God. I didn't, I didn't marry that. I made sure everything in my life lined up with the Word of God. I didn't listen to everybody when I raised my children. They said, train them up in the way they should go. And evil communication corrupts good manners. I did it what the Bible said to do. Yes. Did we make mistakes along the way? Sure we did. We repent and we go on. That's right. But I'm going to live my life by what God said, not by what this world is doing, Amen. not by what they think, not by what's, what seems to be current, what's going on. I did it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I've done it God's way. I'm going to continue to do it his way. Uh -huh. And anytime I need to make adjustments, I make adjustments. I'm willing to change. Because the gospel is not for anybody but the meek. That's people willing to change. Amen. The word does not work for the arrogant, the know-it-all, the refractory. There's no anointing to help that person. No pastor can help them. Jesus can't help them. Uh -huh. He said, I'm anointed to preach to meek people. Yes. I'm not anointed to pre preach to people that have got it all figured out. Right. They might as well just hang it up and go somewhere else. There is no, there is no preaching can help them. The gospel is for meek people. It's for people that are humble. It's not for people that got it all figured out, giving their opinion all the time. It doesn't work for them. The power of God don't work for them. Then it says right here, <clears throat> that's just one of them. I'll give you another one he gave me. To, it's over in uh, Psalms 32, verse 8. And this is the promise of God, Psalms 32, verse 8. I will instruct you. So now I know I'm not going to end up in the wrong place. I'm not going to end up in the wrong place with my life. Your life is too valuable to end up in the wrong place with the wrong people. Because the most valuable asset you have in this life is time. You can't get back last hour without a miracle from God. And he's so good, he said, I'll restore the years that the locusts and canker worm be. Who wouldn't serve a God like that? He's the only redeemer of time. That's the only promise of redeeming of time is with God. He'll take the mistakes I made and the opportunities I missed, and he'll bring restoration to that. Yeah, he's worth to be praised over something like that. Everything is good. Actually, you might want to say everything going to be all right. Praise God. He says, I will instruct and teach you in the way, in the way which thou shalt go. There's a way that I should go. It's a way that I should think. It's certain things I should do, and it's certain things I shouldn't do. And he said, I'm going to help you do it. And Dr. Jacobs, I'm sitting in his office, he wrote these down on a little postcard just like this. I kept that postcard for years. Now I just remember them. I kept that little postcard, 
and go downstairs and I'd read the scripture. I said, Father, thank you for instructing me, showing me the way I should go. I will guide you with my eyes. I'm going to use my eyes to order your steps. Come on now, you're gonna you're gonna walk in, you're gonna walk into some blessing you ain't never seen. Kenneth Hagin said it like this: the person that allows God to lead them will end up being a wealthy person. Why? I'm gonna take you, I'm gonna take you over into streams. I'm gonna take you to, to green valleys. And, and he said, I'm gonna take you by restful streams, amen. I'm gonna even lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm gonna order your steps in the path, I'm gonna have your path. In the path of righteousness is going to be your path. It's just going to keep getting brighter and brighter. It's the way you can live a supernatural life. And, 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 and I'm, I'm about going after the whole thing. That's what I'm about going after the whole thing. You're going to be down here. I don't need to be down here in depression and worrying about what's coming up on the planet. My steps are ordered from God. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Anyway, <laughs> he said, Verse 9, be not like as the horse. We got to put something on them. We got to put straps on them. Be not like the horse as the mule that have no understanding, whose mouth must be held with a bit and a bridle, lest they come near un, uh, lest they come near unto thee. Many are the sorrows, many shall be the sorrows to the wicked. That's just somebody doing it the way they want to do it. But he that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall be just around him. You just got God's care and mercy around you when you're honoring God and keeping his commandments and doing things the way he wants to do it. In he a wonderful God. Don't you want to stand in his prayer? Prayer should be your all day long. You should have times you praying in the spirit, praise God. I love being with Pastor Cynthia driving over here. She'll just start praying in the Holy Ghost. She'll just start praying in the Holy Ghost while we're driving over here. She'll just start saying, Sheila, about on Sunday. She'll just start praying and praise God, and then God tell me, take her hand and pray with her. And I put this hand on the steering wheel and this one over here. Now we're touching and agreeing while we're coming. Yeah. Amen. Men ought to always pray. Men ought to always pray and not faint. Amen. If one can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. You can, the Bible said, if any two of you agree on earth as touching anything, it shall be done of their Father which is in heaven. Amen. Come on, man. Prayer is an exciting life. Look over here in um, Psalms 43, 143. Praise God. Verse 8. This is a good one. Calls me to heal. Praise God. Thy loving kindness. You know, you can be sitting in church and people, you can be up preaching and, and somebody's getting it and somebody ain't. You just can do it. And if somebody can read the Bible and read right over the scripture, the Holy Ghost just shows you. Nothing just jumps out. It's just next to that. But we have a right to pray. Cause me to hear. Cause me to hear. Now, this is something I used to say. This is a prayer I used to pray over. I pray over my life over here. I believe it's in Matthew. I'm going to hold my place here because we're talking about guidance. Amen. Kenneth Hagin said the person that God can guide tot in the totality of their life, he's going to make them a wealthy person. Amen. That's what he said. And every person that has allowed God to guide them have come out very well. Let me find that. Over here in, uh, I believe it's Matthew chapter 13. Yeah, verse 16. 
Matthew 13, verse 16, blessed are your eyes for they see. I call my eyes blessed. Not, I mean, I want to see physically too, but I want my eyes blessed to see spiritual things. That when I'm reading, I want revelation to come. I spend a lifetime praying for the words to come off the pages. I pray for the words to come off the pages so I can see them. I ain't even got into that prayer yet. Prayer is the ultimate lifestyle of the believer. A praying man, a man in communication with God has stopped sinning. The sin has to do with who you're with. It has to do with who you give yourself to. It has to be with the wrong, it has to be do with being with the wrong people at the wrong time doing the wrong thing. Because it, it was a wrong influence. So Pastor Nancy says, show me your group. Show me your group. And I can tell you your destiny. That's how she says it. So he says here, blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears to do what? Hear. And uh, <laughs> that means you can, and I'm not getting into the soul of the seed here. He said that he gave three different kinds of examples where people heard but didn't produce no fruit. That you preach to them. I'm not talking about me, Jesus. And it's a good word. Um, it's a good word. He preached to them, but the behavior that came later wasn't what he preached. So it wasn't any fruit. There was no fruit after he preached to them. And it's three kinds. When he talked about the soil of the seed, he was talking about He's talking about ground. He said it's four kind of ground. And then he went on and told me later, he said, every person you're dealing with represents one of those grounds. He said it's the people that even after you preach to them, they neglect the word. They heard it, but they neglected it. So once I believe to hear, I need to be ready to do or obey. Then he said it's the ones that hear the word, then they get offended. Easily offended. They let offense come in. And see, the enemy knows this is in the Bible. And he's after non-productive Christian people. Going to church ain't enough. It's just like saying, I went to school. Well, let's see your report card. <laughs> let's see the report card. I know you went. Did you bring a book with you? Did you take any notes at school? What was your relationship with the teacher? What was it? First dirt, neglect the word. Second one, get offended. The third one is too busy. Life cluttered. I got a lot of stuff going on right now. Building a building. Got to help take care of my mom. any calls in the church, any prayer in the church, to just build a building, the number of people you got to deal with. Yeah. 
And then so don't ever be a problem in the church. Don't ever be a problem in the church because I already got enough to deal with of people that really need help. And that's why the Bible said if the pastor is grieved through his relation, that's why I said, what's the relationship with your teacher? Because if the pastor is grieved through the relationship of the person, he said that person will not prosper. He said it'll be unprofitable for them. I don't care what you preach to them, it won't work. He said they should be able to do their job with joy because they didn't ask to do this. You have to understand, we, Jesus never called an unemployed person and asked them to be a pastor. You need to understand that. He, he don't, if somebody just, you need to get their resume where they worked and everything before then. He never calls an unemployed, idle, non-industrious person because the job is going to require you to do all kinds of things. I can't tell you the kind of questions people come and ask me about all kinds of things. You go read the Bible, they were fishermen, they were doctors, they were tax collectors, there was everybody already working. There was nobody just hanging around needing a job. And Jesus said, come on and preach for me. So we didn't do this because we thought it was a good ideal and we would be good at this. It's a calling. And you have to drop everything you do it. Paul said, warn to me if I preach not to God. I know preachers in the grave, they quit. You're the only person in the room that can't hit the door. It can cost you your life. Matter of fact, it will. You'll die young because you're in disobedience. And you knew more than them. The pastor should be a cut above the rest for a whole lot of different reasons. Then it says right here, you can't be too busy. That's what I was talking about. Even with building a building and everything you are doing, your family, your grandchildren, your wife, you still have to have a relationship with God. You still have to get in the Word. You still have to study with everything else you got going on. And the only reason why I got you to this level anyway because you was faithful at the lower levels. And so you keep, you keep, he keeps moving you up if you're faithful at the level. So you have to know how to use your time. You got to know who to fellowship and who not to. Whole deal. I'm talking about producing fruit. And then he says there's one kind of person that produces fruit out of those four kinds of dirt. It's the person that heals the word. They keep it. They protect it. They meditate it. They pray it. And out of an honest, honorable heart, they produce fruit. They produce fruit. The whole objective is producing manifestations for the kingdom. And it comes through a prayer life Amen. with God. Amen. So he says over here, go back to Psalms 144. He said, Psalms 143, verse 8, Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning, for in thee do I trust. Cause me to know, now notice here, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk, for I lift my soul unto thee. And I'd be downstairs, I'd pray that. 
Now, he wrote that down on a piece of paper for me, and I kept it. And I would have it in my log, on my, even in my project manager's log of everything I had to do that day. I had those prayers taped in that. Every day, that's what I'm going over. Why? Because I'm seeking him for the direction. He only knows my destiny. He's not going to let another person predict your destiny. That's why he called me and Dr. Jacobs called me off. Now, he knew I was called in the ministry. How did he know that? Well, God told him. About within the first year I met him, Holy Ghost told him. He said, he's in the called in the ministry. Why? Well, he never told my wife that. I didn't know what to do with a call of God on my life. I knew what I saw in the pulpit in those churches. I didn't want nothing to do with it. And the Holy Ghost told me, don't tell them you're called in the ministry. You just stay right here in your seat. You do not go to that podium and tell them anything that's happening in your life. Why? They're not anointed to train you like I want you. And I never said a word to Dr. Jacobs. I never ran in his church. Well, I'm, I'm this, and I'm called in this and this and this. No, you know what I'm trying to do? Be a good husband. Be a good employee. Be a good father. Because if you're not any of those things good, you don't make a good pastor. If you can't take care of your own house, how are you going to take care of the house of God? Let's see how you live in, in your house first before we hand you a mic. Right. Amen. Let's see who you married before we hand you a mic. Amen. Let's see your children before we hand you a mic. Oh, it's really going to get personal now. <laughs> it makes a difference. Yes, it does, because the Bible says it makes a difference. You're not supposed to get somebody that can speak real good. Pop Peter said, I'll show it to you. Over in 1 Peter chapter 5, he said, he said, the leaders ought to be an example to the flock. Let's see the example of your lifestyle. It ain't about preaching real good. It's about living good. So I didn't run to the podium and say, you know, I'm anointed and I'm called and I'm all that and a bag of chips. I didn't do that. And he had to be standing out in the park with me, and he looked at me, and he said, Keith, you called into the ministry, aren't you? And I said, and the Holy Ghost said, you can tell him because he's going to train you. See, that was guidance. I listened to him. He said, don't tell them. And then he told me when he got to him, he said, he's going to train you so you can tell him. And he took me under the wing. And when you go in my library in my office, all of the reference books, he bought every one of them. I wager to say if those other men that, that I sit in their churches, they didn't even know those reference books existed. And you got to have them to be a good pastor. You got to know what the, you got to be able to break the word down and teach people and feed them. And it says right here over in 1 Peter chapter 5, the elders that are among you, and the elder don't mean an old person because a person can be old and not know the word. It says, the elders which are among you I exhort. It means somebody seasoned in the word. Somebody tested. But typically it can be a person of age. It says, it ain't for somebody got saved yesterday telling me they're a prophet. It's not that. And I've seen a lot of that. It says, the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partake of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. My number one job is feed you the word. It's not entertainment, excitement, it's feeding you the word. 
Feed the flock which is among you. And then notice, is, what does it say? Among you. So I'm not the pastor of the whole city. Why didn't you go over there? I don't have to go over there because they're not among me. Now normally, if it's a family member of this church and I know it's going to affect them, then I'll go. Brother Jerry came to me probably the first two, two or three years of this church. His niece died. He asked me to do the eulogy. I said, Jerry, I can't do the eulogy because I don't know your niece. I don't even know what to say because she wasn't among me. How do I speak about her service or her life? I don't know. Well, you do just get them preach anything. No, I'm not going to do that. I said, I'll do words of comfort to the family. And then I preached that you, when you die, that's not the end of life. You're going to keep living. Your body's just going to stop functioning. But the real you is just going to keep living. So the decision now is whether you're going up or down. And when Sister Retro heard that message, and I've seen her ever since. <laughs> she, wasn't coming with Jer- she wasn't coming with Jerry at the time. I'm telling on you, Sister Retro. But she coming here, she was gangbusters. I mean, she just helped us with this ministry from the very beginning. Brought honor to it, too. So both of them. So the thing is, <laughs> the niece wasn't among me, but he was. So I had to think about him. How do I help him? How do I help him? So a lot of times if it's family in the church, then you, you got to help <laughs> with prayer and sometimes intercession to the degree I can. But sometimes that you can't do that. You know, you just got to listen to the Spirit of God and everything. You get some help tonight. Yes, sir. Well, praise God. It said to a monk, somebody went, he didn't come to the funeral. Well, I didn't have to. <laughs> I know the word. I'm glad I know it's in there. I'm glad my pastor taught me that because if not, you take that out. Right, right. Then they got you in North Nashville, got you in Georgia next week. When somebody asked me that, will you marry my, my daughter in Michigan? I don't even know your daughter. And you come here when you feel like it. So I ain't going to Michigan. I'm not going to Michigan. I don't even know the husband, no wife. I don't know nobody. See, people think you just ought to do anything. That's not my job to do anything. My job is to do what God told me to do. Amen. Amen. And he said, feed the ones that are among you. You know what happens when you don't, you know what happens when you go to Michigan? Then you can't feed the ones that are among you. You just stepped off task. That's what you just did. You ain't got no business up there. The Holy Ghost didn't tell you to go. You just afraid, you know, I don't want the family to not like me. This ain't got nothing to do with somebody liking you. They ought to honor you for your work's sake. It says, taking, oh, I thought you were teaching on prayer. Well, if you don't do this good, you're not going to pray good. Because <laughs> you'll get mad at me when passing it. You'll get mad at me, and it ain't my job, but now you know I ain't among him. That's optional. Either he can go if he wants, he can choose to go. I was at a funeral one time. People were so disrespectful. But this person went in the funeral, and he died. And I went on to the funeral. Then God says, you do words of comfort. He said, get in your car. You're not going to the gravesite. 
Once you do the words of comfort, your assignment with this group is over. You get in your car. You're not going to the graveside. He ain't here anyway. But you can speak words for him because he wouldn't, he wouldn't like that bunch. Get in your car and go home. The pastor asked me, that was doing, he said, Pastor Rogan, you going to the graveside? I said, nope, that'll be yours. You're on your own. Yeah, you think you mean? No, I'm just doing the word. Amen. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint. Now, we don't want to have to make you do your job, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, don't do it for money, but of a ready mind. Neither being lords, I'm not over here trying to be a dictator, but the assignment is on my life, I'm not a dictator. The assignment is on my life, and I have to do what God told me to do. He said, neither being lords over God's inheritance, but being example, now I did all that to get to that one word. <laughs> You're supposed to be an example to the flock. And any person in leadership should be an example to the flock. If the pastor help you to do it, ask you to do anything in a leadership role, where you're instructing other people, you need to be an example to them. Amen. Your lifestyle counts. Amen. Remember, thinking of his name, Bob Russell, Southeast Christian Church, 25,000 members, probably the largest state church in the state of Kentucky, and we go to their camp in the summer. That's their camp. That we go to Country Lake Camp is their camp. He said, if leaders are immoral or unethical and they don't, or they don't know how to treat people, they cannot be leaders. And he sat out with his whole leadership staff and he said, if anybody in there, he listed a whole bunch of things, if this is going on in your life, you don't have to raise your hand right now, but this is the day you step away from leadership. You can come back in private and tell me you're not ready for this position. He said, because if you let them stay in a position, he said, they will cause you irreparable damage that you can't fix. I ain't forgot it. I read his book, Who Wants to Build a Church? I don't read a lot of books. I read my Bible. The Spirit of God said, you need to read that one. He said, they will cause you irreparable. The damage, you can't fix what they did. You can go on and still have success, but the damage that they caused can't be fixed. Normally, it's affecting somebody else's life. Never walk away from a church because of somebody else is inviting you because they're offended. No. Never do that. Never be a part of somebody else's mad at pastor. So I'm on, I'm on side with them to keep friendship with them. Man, you just fell in on. See, they did that in Moses' day. And, Mo, and, and Korah, and I'm going to teach you on Korah, took a whole bunch of them, pulled them over the side, and ground open up and swallowed them. Those people do not have an anointing to lead your life. No. They can lead you out that front door, and as far as they can lead you. Never do that. You never side with people against the anointing. Because that, that person and that individual has no ability to feed you. They have no mantle. And, and if you're smart, you tell them, seems like you the one got a problem with the pastor. You too cowardly to go have a meeting with him. Why are you talking to me? That's a meeting you should have had with him. Yes. I'm preaching real good right now. Yeah. I just had somebody do that. 
and I ain't trying to call nobody out. They got offended and called somebody else. And then the person called me, trying to help them. I said, they in trouble, not for what they did. They in trouble because they didn't call, they called you, they got my phone number. I gave them my phone number. They called me about everything else when they needed prayer for everything else. And they misinterpreted everything I said anyway. And if they called me, we could have fixed it. They're in trouble because they called you. And that's the only reason why they're in trouble. And you should have told them to call me instead of you calling me. See, I'm trying to fix the problem, not having it spread. And you have to teach people this because they'll join relationships in the church and then and they use the fellowship you gave them. You didn't even know that person until you came here. And I brought you in the fellowship. You didn't even know that person. And I brought you in the fellowship. And now you having a problem and you should have called me because I'm the one that can fix it. You should have called me first. That's why you got my number. And how you do this, you're trying to keep a good, clean church, yes. keep the sheep healthy. Yes. But you know if a sheep get infected, they'll get in the flock, they'll, that thing will pass over the whole group. Mm-hmm. And a little leavening, it tell you to leaven the whole lump. We're preaching about prayer tonight. Because if you're having problems in all of this, your prayers ain't working anyway. They're hitting the ceiling, bam, wham. They just hitting the ceiling and ricocheting back down on you. Because I told you offended people don't get prayers answered. You got to teach on things like this. If you, <laughs> the book of Dr. Jacobs talks in Ecclesiastes, it's the little foxes. It's the little things that mess up marriages. People just, just this little fence and it keeps adding up and it keeps adding up. Next thing you don't build a wall in the house. Little mountains become a Little molehills become a mountain. The little foxes spoil the vine. Little things, little fences. I ain't talking to you no more. Well, God ain't going to be talking to you no more. That's what he said. If he said, if you got a, if you holding a grudge against them, your prayer life is over. You can get them shout hallelujah. Oh, no. And I'm going to say, oh. That's what I'm going to say. We had a guy in here, and he was jumping and dancing all in the front of the church every Sunday. He's up dancing. Just dancing, and I mean, just kicking it up like he got the Holy Ghost. And Pastor Cynthia called his significant other side. She's the FBI in the church. I keep trying to tell people she's the FBI. She's, led, she's the Holy Ghost. FBI, National Security Agency, NSA, that's who she is. <laughs> she pulled his significant other side. Are y'all sleeping together in the church? She said, yes, it's him. I told him not to. <laughs> she threw him right under the bus, threw him under the Greyhound. She threw him under the greyhound. 
she said, y'all need to go see the pastor. Now I don't even know I got a meeting coming. I'm planning on getting in the car, going home. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He daily loadeth us with benefits. But I got a meeting coming. <laughs> I got a meeting coming. He apologized. He repented. But he never danced again. <laughs> he never danced again in his life. Some people want to play church. This ain't the place to do it. Eventually, because of my heart, it'll come out. Because of the way I serve my pastor, it'll eventually come out. And he's not here because of who he married. Last report I got sent at home with Jack Daniel. Because Pastor Callan said most people don't have the integrity to say, I missed it, I'm sorry. Yeah. They will live on the broken road the rest of their life because of poor character and no integrity and no humility. And I run after nobody. You know why? Okay, I'll show you why. <laughs> Go over here and John. Gospel of John, so you'll know that. Why the pastor didn't call up? <laughs> you need to read your Bible. Right. John chapter 6, verse 64. I'm talking about prayer. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Yes, we is. We're talking about prayer. Therefore, but therefore, John 6, 64. But there are some of you that believe not. That's what Jesus told him. That's his group. Because of what he just preached. I'm not getting into that. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. Isn't that something? That if you listen to the Spirit of God, you can know from the very beginning who's going to be fruitful. Just listening to the Spirit of God. Now, how does that come to church? It's called a gift of discernment. He said, and who should betray him? I even know who's going to do that. That's what he said. And he said, therefore he, therefore he said, therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my father. Now see, this is why I don't want, I, I, I want people to find out why you're here. See, I've been with Dr. Jacobs 36 years. Why? God told me that's my man of God. Now, I'm wise enough now to know there's not a man on this planet could, have do, could do what he did for me. I could have been in a whole lot of churches. That ain't got nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. 
but he was designed for me by heaven to pull the gifts and callings out of me. That's the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. Your life ain't supposed to be a roll of dices, Russian roulette. He said, I know the number of hairs on your head. I know everything about your life and what you are supposed to achieve and do in this life. The Bible said even a natural man can point a child to the target. If he's a strong man, he can discipline his children. I ain't talking about being lording over him and, and threatening him and everything and pointing him to the target. That's what it said. Blessed is a man to have a cure for him, and a mighty man can point him to the target. Train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he will not, not depart. I just did my best to listen to God. He said even communications corrupt good manners, Keith. If, even after you teach your children right, if you let them fellowship with wrong influences, they'll fail because of the peer pressure on them. You're not their peers. You're the parent. And if you turn them loose to peer, that's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, and he said, don't you ever violate it. And all the time pastors do, that's why you get the statement, PK kids. The preacher's kids are the worst ones in the whole neighborhood. Well, the devil's going to attack yours. He's going to attack everybody's. He's going to attack yours because you're supposed to be an example to the flock. That's why I ain't trying to preach first. I taught first. I spanked some. Corrected some. I was going to do what the word said to do. He said, this is what you got to do. He's telling me, Keith, don't violate this. You pick their friends. That's what he told me. You can do whatever you want to do. That's what Dr. Jackson used to tell us. I report, you decide. <laughs> We're not lords over nobody's house. We're not telling everybody you're going to buy GE refrigerators. <laughs> or you a Santa. <laughs> not here doing that. Tell you what, you know, move right along. He said, and he said, therefore he said, I said unto you, no man can come unto me except the Father have given him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. And so you have to, in this job, you have to realize, wait a minute. That happened with Jesus. I'm talking about Mary's baby. The rose of Sharon, the bright and morning star, the lily of the valley. Amen. I'm talking about Jesus. All power in heaven and earth is in his hand. Just turn and leave him. So you have to learn this job. Don't take it personal. Just keep doing your job. And you shouldn't take it personal either. Keep doing your job. Well, where's so-and-so? Keep doing your job. Evidently, they didn't think enough to tell you. Right. So why are you asking about them? They didn't think enough about you to tell you. And then I told, told one guy, he said, I want to tell him. He was leaving. I told him, I want to tell the con congregation. He ain't telling the congregation nothing. <laughs> Who are you? They ain't here for you. They didn't come here for you. They didn't. They came here to be taught the word of God. You dishonorable. So just hit the door. Don't call nobody. 
Because what you're going to do is pat yourself on the back. Let me tell you how this stuff ends. Let me be really honest with you. When it's a divine appointment, when it's a divine appointment, you will, get another, you will not get another one. If it's just the church you went into and they didn't believe nothing, they in there playing, everybody sleeping around with everybody, the pastor is too. And it's just a play with it church. No word, mostly music. And some of it ain't even God. It's just a place of entertainment to feed you. Not feed you, but tickle you. You can leave there. You can go back and leave as many times as you want. It don't make a difference. Because there you ain't going to finish no way. But if the Holy Ghost points you someplace, and it came from heaven, you got to answer for that. Because finally he got the word to you of what heaven has planned for you, the plans I have towards you, good plans to do you good. And it ain't bouncing all over the city. When I see bouncers here, No, I can't replace him. I can't replace Dr. Jacobs. I already know it. He's unreplaceable. And if you ain't got to that place in your life and you just got a lot of options out there, that's, that's worse than let's make a deal. What's behind door number one, two, and three? I'm just saying I'm at that place. Other people have to decide. It says this right here. And I'm really being honest with you. I've watched this for the, I've been watching this for 40 years. You leave a place of a divine appointment, it will cost you. It will cost you. Because now you have turned not against the pastor, it's against heaven. Because nobody should send a person to the church. That's why the Lord says, um, He will give you pastors. I'm gonna, that's my job to give you a pastor. It's not your job to pick it. I'm going to give it to you. And when you find that, that's the greatest day of your life. Amen. Amen. Now you're going to start on the course that God has for you. And it's going to bless everything in your house. Your marriage is going to be blessed. Your children's going to be blessed. Your body, your health, your strength. And you'll never match that life anywhere else. You will not match it. I was thinking about um, Brother Brad. I talked about him Sunday. Brad was, lost his job. He was down there with Dr. Hannibal. He's on food stamps. But he came from Rod Parsons' ministry. And Ohio, Rod Parsons is a powerful minister. And he met Dr. Hannibal in Texas and is just linked with him. And then he lost his job and had to go on food steps. Rod Parsley called him up and said, I'll pay you $75,000 a year to come back to Ohio and to be my assistant. And you're on food stamps. And you get offered $75,000. So if money is your mover, not the voice of God, not the will of God, but money's your move. 
You taking that. You're going to go tell Dr. Hatterball, God has moved. <laughs> I feel it. It's, it's, it's the will of God. I, I've heard his voice. You know how he talks. I've heard his voice. <laughs> I've heard his voice. <laughs> now, while you're on food stamps, he will go to the he would go to the cashier with food stamps. And there's a humiliating part about grocery shopping if you ain't got enough money. Well, you got to start putting stuff back. He said, I'm sitting there with my wife and my children, and I'm putting stuff back. Because I believe that it's God's will I'm supposed to be with that man. He called Pastor Rodham and said, I'm supposed to be with Dr. Hatterball. You got to know where you're supposed to be. Prayer is to get you there. One of the things you ask for, show me, show me so I know. Cause me to hear so I know. I, I want to get, get on the road with this thing. I want to get on the road with this thing you got. Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down and leadeth me beside green pastures. Amen. The sons of God are led by the Spirit. You're not going to figure this out yourself. No. Heaven is going to show you. Yes. There's nobody that figures it out because they're intelligent. No. The sons of God are led by the Spirit. God has got to show you your place. Then yes. Pastor Rod Mother called. Because she knows Brian. Said Pastor, because he told Pastor Rod no. So Pastor Rod, mama called. <laughs> well, you know you're leaving now. <laughs> mom Parson just called you. Right. He said, no, Mom. He said, I love Pastor Rod, but I'm supposed to be here with Dr. Hedderball. He's my man of God. Now, after he makes, now, once you pass that, yes. Yes. now, once you pass that test, the devil is done. Yeah. He's done. You done yeah. passed the test now. God gives him an ideal. He's making over a quarter million dollars every year in computers. A business he starts from the ground up. Now, how do you go from food stamps to a quarter of a million dollars a year, except for the mantle of fruitfulness and multiplication work in your life. Amen. Now, he's just one of them. Yeah. You go all through that church. Yeah. It's just loaded with it. They, got test they ain't got time to get a testimonies. <laughs> the whole church increased almost, Dr. Hannibal said, 900,000 across the whole board because the mantle of the pastor is real. Amen. And you have to know. He said, Keith, sometime I'm up pre-teaching on finances and increase, and people stand up and walk out the door. Right in while I'm preaching, just leave. We can't take it personal. We got to do this job for the one that is really going to count for us. Yes. So it don't matter. How, he said many of them, they, they follow him. It doesn't matter. 
It's about you are there for the one that is you have been assigned to. Amen. For that's supposed to be among you. Yes. And their prayer life will work. It's all throughout the whole thing. I ain't got time to talk about it. That's one of the most powerful churches out there because it's, it's established in honor, and we're going to establish this one in honor. Amen. I ain't trying to do nothing else different. And people need to understand that. I've done 15 years in dishonor. I'm ashamed of it. Now I'm believing for the locusts and the canker worm, though. <laughs> I'm believing for the locusts and the canker Restore all them years. <laughs> Y'all weren't here. They was here. They the only two left for, for them years. They the only two left. Many of them will not follow you. Well, they're doing everything now. I don't even want to get into it because you think I'm being mean. But the one that really should have stayed with me, he's sitting on the couch drinking some because he's just sitting there getting drunk every night, sitting there drinking Jack now. I didn't even go for the report. Somebody came right to the church said, you know, because you ain't going to get another one. Your lives are falling apart, and I'm sitting here holding you in my own arms. People don't know your story. They don't know. They don't, see, all that I sold into you, all of it, you're going to have to answer for that. Yes. Yes. It would have been better that you, that's why he told him it would been better if you didn't even come. Right. Now, I know I'm not everybody's pastor, so I'm bouncing and bouncing. Go find him. But you're going to have to, you're going to, have to have one. How did you live when God said, I'm going to give you pastors? How did you live and you didn't have one? How did you go through this whole, and this is when we get to places now, now I got to make a decision to go or not. I got to make a decision to go if I'm going to do the funeral or not. Now I got to make decisions now, but it'll take from you. Because I, so I, I only have so many hours and so much time and so much energy. And when I get tired, I go to sleep. I don't keep pushing and pass out. And then y'all say, he was a good man, wasn't he? Look at his leg. And don't he look good, don't they? They fixed him up. He look good, don't he? Uh-uh. Oh, no, I go to sleep. I lay down. She'll tell you. I, I took a nap before I got here with all the running around. I took one before I got here. They'll just bury you and go and do another one. Say amen to that. I'm telling amen. the truth. They walked no more with him. And then Jesus said to the 12. Now he down to the skeleton staff. <laughs> he down to the skeleton staff. He said, look what he said right here. Y'all go see if you can get some of them to come back. See if y'all can get some of them around, some of them up. See if they'll come back. Tell him I'm sorry for what I said. He, tell him I didn't mean to preach that word so hard. Tell him if you want to play around a little bit, I just look the other way. How about that? I'm going to show you why in just a minute. Because I told you to turn to Matthew 21 then. What time is it? Alexa, you let me preach too long tonight. <laughs> All right, let's go to Matthew. <clears throat> now he looked at 12, said, y'all want to go too? Matthew 21. 
let's see. Matthew 21. Yeah, here it is. Verse 12. <laughs> Give me a minute, y'all. Um, and Jesus went into the temple, we can say, of the church today. And he cast out them that sold and brought to the temple. Sweet Jesus. Some people say, well, he just, he, just, he just moved the stuff out. He didn't move them out. No, he cast them out. He went in the temple and cleaned it out. Sweet baby Jesus. Went into the temple of God and cast out all them, which means he was selective, but he got them all. That soul that brought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers. Boy, boy, that was a day at church, everybody remember. <laughs> and the seed of them that sold dove. Now, what they're supposed to be doing in there is offering up real sacrifices that honor God. Yeah. This is the issue of dishonor. You've got to throw dishonorable people out. Yeah. You've got to get them out because it'll, it'll, it'll end up permeating your church. This is all about honor because they were money changers. They were having to pay temple taxes, and then they were buying the animals that they didn't want to travel with to offer blood sacrifices to God. And they were selling the wilt, the halt, the lame. The people were selling the worst animals, and the people that traveled had to buy them. That's all there was. And so they were offering God their worst. It's equivalent to coming to church and giving God your worst service. Yeah. And that's contagious. You come to church and he don't get your best. He shed his blood. He died for us. He gave us every blessing. And my response is dishonor because I don't give him my best. I give him my worst service. I'm late. The assignment I do, they can count on me or not count on me. And they offer that up to them. But they want to be blessed. And because the leadership didn't fix it, he says, now the zeal of God have consumed me. And I have a, I have a zeal for Father's house. And he threw everything out that was dishonorable. And this is what he said. He called them thieves too. Robbing God. He said, and he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of what? Now, you think all, this things I, all the things I talked about, a lot of had to do with dishonor, doing your worst for God. And expecting him to receive it and bless it. Trying to pray, get prayers answered, prayer don't work. So they don't even make it a house of prayer anymore. It's something else. Now, all the things I talked about are things that make a dishonorable house, and it won't work. And I know it won't work. And even if people leave because of the dishonor, let them go. And if you're thinking about calling anybody, you better call me first. Because you don't know what I'm thinking. Well, I just somebody was on my heart. They ain't on mine. Why they on yours? If somebody did it. I said, I don't want them back. They're dishonorable. They're disrespectful. They're never going to change. 
They're not fit for the house right now. It's not a house of honor if they are operating here. Now, they can't repent and change, but they don't need to come through you. They can't come just take a seat back no more. You can't do that. You dishonorable on the job, don't show up, no, never come back, left dishonorable, and then you walk back in the company and take your seat. <laughs> Where are they doing that at? Right. They, you've been off the personnel roll for a long time, and you just sit down at the computer. <laughs> Security coming. 911, security is on their way. You can't just come back in there. No. You got two teachers sitting back there. Y'all just can't abandon the classroom and, and, and go party for two weeks. Some of that. I ain't messing with no bad kids. Don't call in another and just roll back up in there. See, people want to bring the church down to the lowest level because they think a church is a democracy, and they can just do whatever they want to do in it. And that's why they close by the hundreds, because there's no honor in them. And you know what Jesus really want to do with them? Throw everything out of them and start all over again. Look what he says right here. He says this. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Now, once he got them out, he purged the house. This is Larry Lee said it had to become a house of purity first. You got to purge it first. If you want his power, purge it. Then the blind and the lame came into the temple and he healed them. He taught this pattern. He said, it's got to become a house of purity first. Then it'll become a house of power. Then it'll become a house of power. But we're not healing while this is going on. The power don't work while all this is going on. Power's not working. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and and the children crying in the temple saying, Hosanna. That means they're calling out for salvation to the son of David. They're calling out for salvation. They're finally getting the help they need because the house of purity has turned to a house of power. And now the power that the people need is manifesting. And their praise is breaking out because salvation is taking place in the house. And then he says it goes from a house of purity to a house of power. To a house of perfected praise. So praise don't work just because somebody playing music. They ain't got nothing to do with it. They ain't got nothing to do with it. It has to do with the house being purged. Then it has to do with the house becoming filled with power. And then when people begin to see the manifestation of the presence of God in their midst, it turns into a house of power, and that's a house of prayer. You get some help tonight. Yeah. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands to heaven. Father, we bless you in this place. We bless you in this place tonight. I know I've gone on, but everything we say, you know what? Um,
I thank you for giving me a few more minutes.